Chapter Forty Seven of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter Forty Seven, in which Pale Hecate visits the mills, and Charles Nutter, Esquire, orders tea poor mrs nutter i have an honest regard for her memory if she was scant of brains she was also devoid of guile giggle and raspberry jam were the leading traits of her character and though she was slow to believe ill-natured stories and made in general a horrid jumble when she essayed to relate news except of the most elementary sort and used to forget genealogies and to confuse lawsuits and other family feuds and would have made a most unsatisfactory witness upon any topic on earth yet she was a ready sympathizer and a restless but pure blind matchmaker always suggesting or suspecting little romances and always amazed when the air clismont came off excellent for condoling better still for rejoicing she would on hearing of a surprising good match or an unexpected son and heir or a pleasantly timed legacy go off like a mild little peal of joy bells and keep ringing up and down and zigzag and to and again in all sorts of irregular roulades without stopping the whole day long with well to be sure upon my conscience now i scarce can believe it and isn't it pleasant though oh the creatures but it was badly wanted dear knows but i'm glad ha 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 and so on a train of reflection and rejoicing not easily exhausted and readily by simple transposition maintainable for an indefinite period and people when good news came used to say sally nutter will be glad to hear that and though she had not a good deal of sense and her conversation was made up principally of interjections assisted by little gestures and wonderful expressions of face and though when analyzed it was not much yet she made a cheerful noise and her company was liked and her friendly little gesticulation and her turning up of the eyes and her smiles and sighs and her wished a bit and her faith and troth now and whisper and all the rest of her little budget of idiomatic expletives made the people somehow along with her sterling qualities fonder of her than perhaps having her always at hand they were quite aware so they both entered the vehicle which jingled and rattled so incessantly and so loud that connected talk was quite out of the question and mrs mcnamara was glad twas so and she could not help observing there was something more than the ordinary pale cast of devilment in mary matchwell's face something she thought almost frightful and which tempted her to believe in her necromantic faculty so they reached nutter's house at the mills a sober grey-fronted mansion darkened with tall trees and in went mrs mack little mrs nutter received her in a sort of transport of eagerness giggle and curiosity 
and is she really in the coach now and my dear does she really tell the wonders they say mrs molly told me well now the most surprising things and do you actually believe she's a conjurer but mind you nutter must not know i had her here he can't abide a fortune teller and what shall i ask her i think about the pearl cross don't you for i would like to know and then whether nutter or his enemies you know who i mean will carry the day don't you know dr stark my dear and uh, and but that's the chief question poor mrs mack glanced over her shoulder to see she wasn't watched and whispered her in haste for mercy's sake my dear take my advice and that is listen to all she tells you but tell her nothing to be sure my dear that's only common sense said mrs nutter and mary matchwell who thought they had been quite long enough together descended from the carriage and was in the hall before mrs nutter was aware and the silent apparition overawed the poor little lady who faltered a good evening madam you're very welcome pray step in so in they all trooped to nutter's parlour so soon as little mrs nutter got fairly under the chill and shadow of this inauspicious presence her giggle subsided and she began to think of the dreadful story she had heard of her having showed mrs fleming through a glass of fair water the apparition of her husband with his face half masked with blood the day before his murder by the watchmen in john's lane when therefore this woman of endor called for water and glasses and told mrs mack that she must leave them alone together poor little empty mrs nutter lost heart and began to feel very queer and to wish herself well out of the affair and indeed was almost ready to take her heels and leave the two ladies in possession of the house but she had not decision for this and mayn't mrs mack stay in the room with us she asked following that good lady's retreating figure with an imploring look by no means this was addressed sternly to mrs mack herself who followed by poor mrs nutter's eyes moved fatly and meekly out of the room she was not without her fair share of curiosity but on the whole was relieved and very willing to go she had only seen mary matchwell take from her pocket and uncase a small oval-shaped steel mirror which seemed to have the property of magnifying objects for she saw her cadaverous fingers reflected in it to fully double their natural size and she had half filled a glass with water and peered through it askew holding it toward the light while the door was shut and an interval of five minutes elapsed and all of a sudden two horrible screams in quick succession rang through the house betty the maid and mrs mack were in the small room on the other side of the hall and stared in terror at one another the old lady holding betty by the wrist whispered a benediction and betty crying oh my dear what's happened the poor mistress crossed the hall in a second followed by mrs mack and they heard the door unlocked on the inside as they reached it in they came 
scarce knowing how and found poor little mrs nutter flat upon the floor in a swoon her white face and the front of her dress drenched with water you've a sense bottle mrs mcnamara let her smell to it said the grim woman in black coldly but with a scarcely perceptible gleam of triumph as she glanced on the horrified faces of the women well it was a long fainting fit but she did come out of it and when her bewildered gaze at last settled upon mrs matchwell who was standing darkly and motionless between the windows she uttered another loud and horrible cry and clung with her arms round mrs mac's neck and screamed oh mrs mac there she is there she is there she is and she screamed so fearfully and seemed in such an extremity of terror that mary matchwell in her sables glided with a strange sneer on her pale face out of the room across the hall and into the little parlor on the other side like an evil spirit whose mission was half accomplished and who departed from her for a season she's here she's here screamed poor little mrs nutter no dear no she's not she's gone my dear indeed she's gone replied mrs mac herself very much appalled oh is she gone is she is she gone cried mrs nutter staring all round the room like a child after a frightful dream she's gone mom dear she isn't here by this crass she's gone said betty assisting mrs mac and equally frightened and incensed oh oh betty where is he gone oh mrs mac oh no no never it can't be it couldn't it is not he he never did it i declare to you mom she's not right in her head cried poor betty at her wits ends there there now sally darling there said frightened mrs mac patting her on the back there 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 i see him she cried again oh charlie charlie sure sure i didn't see it aright it was not real there now don't be frettin yourself mom dear said betty but mrs mac glanced over her shoulder in the direction in which mrs nutter was looking and with a sort of shock not knowing whether it was a bodily presence or a simulacrum raised by the incantations of mary matchwell she beheld the dark features and white eyeballs of nutter himself looking full on them from the open door sally what ails you sweetheart said he coming close up to her with two swift steps oh charlie twas a dream nothing else a bad dream charlie oh say it's a dream cried the poor terrified little woman oh she's coming she's coming she cried again with an appalling scream who what's the matter cried nutter looking in the direction of his poor wife's gaze in black wrath and bewilderment and beholding the weird woman who had followed him into the room as he gazed on that pale wicked face and sable shape the same sort of spell which she exercised upon mrs mac and poor mrs nutter 
seemed in a few seconds to steal over nutter himself and fix him in the place where he stood his mahogany face bleached to sickly boxwood and his eyes looked like pale balls of stone about to leap from their sockets after a few seconds however with a sort of gasp like a man awaking from a frightful sleep he said betty take the mistress to her room and to his wife go sweetheart mrs mcnamara this must be explained he added and taking her by the hand he led her in silence to the hall door and signed to the driver oh thank you mr nutter she stammered but the coach is not mine it came with that lady who's with mrs nutter he had up to this moved with her like a somnambulist eh that lady and who the devil is she and he seized her arm with a sudden grasp that made her wince oh that lady faltered mrs mac she's i believe she's mrs matchwell the the lady that advertises her abilities hey i know the fortune teller and go-between her she was glad he asked her no more questions but let her go and stood in a livid meditation forgetting to bid her good evening she did not wait however for his courteous dismissal but hurried away towards chapel is it the only thing connected with the last half hour's events that seemed quite clear and real to the scared lady was the danger of being overtaken by that terrible woman and a dreadful sense of her own share as an accessory in the untold mischief that had befallen poor mrs nutter in the midst of her horrors and agitation mrs mac's curiosity was not altogether stunned she wandered vaguely as she pattered along with what dreadful exhibition of her infernal skill mary matchwell had disordered the senses of poor little mrs nutter and she called up a red-eyed sooty raven to her shoulder as old miss alice lee when she last had a dish of tea with her told her she had once done before and made the ominous bird speak the doom of poor mrs nutter from that perch or had she raised the foul fiend in bodily shape or showed her nutter's dead face through the water with these images flitting before her brain she hurried on at her best pace fancying every moment that she heard the rumble of the accursed coach behind her and longing to see the friendly uniform of the royal irish artillery and the familiar house-fronts of the cheery little street and above all to hide herself securely among her own household gods when nutter returned to the parlor his wife had not yet left it i'll attend here go you upstairs said nutter he spoke strangely and looked odd and altogether seemed strung up to a high pitch out went betty seeing it was no good dawdling for her master was resolute and formidable the room like others in old-fashioned houses with thick walls had a double door he shut the one with a stern slam and then the other and though the honest maid loitered in the hall and indeed placed her ear very near the door she was not much the wiser there was some imperfectly heard talk in the parlor and cries and sobs and more talking 
then before betty was aware the door suddenly opened and out came mary matchwell with gleaming eyes and a pale laugh of spite and victory and threw a look as she passed upon the maid that frightened her and so vanished into her coach nutter disengaged himself from poor mrs nutter's arms in which he was nearly throttled while she sobbed and shrieked oh charlie dear dearest charlie charlie darling isn't it frightful and so on betty take care of her was all he said and that sternly like a man quietly desperate but with a dismal fury in his face he went into the little room on the other side of the now darkening hall and shut the door and locked it inside it was partly because he did not choose to talk just now any more with his blubbering and shrieking wife he was a very kind husband in his way but a most incapable nurse especially in a case of hysterics he came out with a desk in his hands moggy he said in a low tone seeing his other servant woman in the dusk crossing at the foot of the stairs here take this desk leave it in our bedroom tis for the mistress tell her so by and by the wench carried it up but poor mrs nutter was in no condition to comprehend anything and was talking quite wildly and seemed to be growing worse rather than better nutter stood alone in the hall with his back to the door from which he had just emerged his hands in his pockets and the same dreary and wicked shadow over his face so that stirk will carry his point after all he muttered on the hall wainscot just opposite hung his horse pistols and when he saw them and that wasn't for a while for though he was looking straight at them he was staring really quite through the dingy wooden panel at quite other objects three hundred miles away when he did see them i say he growled in the same tone i wish one of those bullets was through my head so t'other was through his and he cursed him with laconic intensity then nutter slapped his pockets like a man feeling if his keys and other portable chattels are all right before he leaves his home but his countenance was that of one whose mind is absent and wandering and he looked down on the ground as it seemed in profound and troubled abstraction and after a while he looked up again and again glared on the cold pistols that hung before him ready for anything and he took down one with a snatch and weighed it in his hand and fell to thinking again and as he did kept opening and shutting the pan with a snap and so for a long time and thinking deeply to the tune of that castanet and at last he roused himself who knows from what dreams and hung up the weapon again by its fellow and looked about him the hall door lay open as mary matchwell had left it nutter stood on the doorstep where he could hear faintly from above stairs the cries and wails of poor hysterical mrs nutter he remained there a good while during which unperceived by him dr toole's pestle and mortar boy who had entered by the back way had taken a seat in the hall 
he was waiting for an empty draught bottle in exchange for a replenished flask of the same agreeable beverage which he had just delivered for physic was one of poor mrs nutter's weaknesses though happily she did not swallow half what came home for her when nutter turned round the boy a sharp tattling vagabond he knew him well was reading a printed card he had picked up from the floor with the impress of nutter's hobnailed tread upon it it was endorsed upon the back for mrs mcnamara with the humble duty of her obedient servant m m what's that sirrah shouted nutter for mrs nutter i think sir said the urchin jumping up with a start mrs nutter repeated he no mrs mac mcnamara and he thrust it into his surtout pocket and what brings you here sirrah he added savagely for he thought everybody was spying after him now and as i said he knew him from a tattling young dog he had taken the infection from his master who had trained him here woman he cried to moggy who was passing again give that pimping rascal his damn answer and see sirrah if i find you sneaking about the place again i'll lay that whip across your back nutter went into the small room again and how are ye jemmy how's every inch of ye inquired moggy of the boy when his agitation was a little blown over i'm elegant thank ye he answered and what's the matter wid ye all i come through the kitchen and see no one ach didn't ye hear the poor mistress she's as bad as bad can be and then began a whispered confidence broken short by nutters again emerging with the leather belt he wore at night on and a short back sword called a quattro de chaise therein and a heavy walking cane in his hand get tea for me wench in half an hour said he this time quite quietly though still sternly and without seeming to observe the quaking boy who at first sight referred these martial preparations to a resolution to do execution upon him forthwith you'll find me in the garden when it's ready and he strode out and pushing open the wicket gate in the thick garden hedge and with his cane shouldered walked with a quick resolute step down towards the pretty walk by the river with the thick privet hedge and the row of old pear trees by it and that was the last that was heard or seen of mr nutter for some time end of chapter forty seven recording by john brandon